Hello and welcome to Clearing the Lens with me, Melissa Sitole, a podcast to equip and help you in your ultimate calling, which is to glorify God. I'm a newlywed, a mom, a Bible-believing Christian, and a woman in corporate, and I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Please have a listen to our previous episode where we spoke about abortion in South Africa. I lay a case as to why I believe this practice is unbiblical. I'd also love to hear your thoughts on the episode so far and want to encourage you to DM us about topics you'd like us to speak about. This is our space and if you want to know more about anything, I'll do my best to find the people who can help us evaluate topics through a biblical lens. Okay, today we're going to talk about my journey with entrepreneurship so far and where that's led me over the years. I'm also ultimately going to talk about what being in the will of God looks like. Spoiler alert, it's not always sunshine and roses. And the frustrations I've experienced in the area of God speaking to me in the past and what I believe about this now. All right, stay tuned. To start us off, I'm going to speak about my career in audit. I have a background in external audit. When I completed my studies through tax and UNISA, I began my articles at a big four firm in KZN. For those who don't know me, I'm a chartered accountant. I was eligible to qualify at the end of 2018 and finally registered with SICA in 2019. Articles was articles for me. I was a hard worker. I excelled during my three years, but I always knew at the back of my mind that I wanted to leave audit as soon as possible after qualifying. It wasn't something I enjoyed. Because of my personality type, I would experience high moments during my period, such as when I learned something new or became technically excellent on certain topics or when we met a deadline or when I led and completed an audit. Those moments were amazing because I really believe in the principle of excellence. And seeing your work pay off is exciting and gives some meaning to all the hours burning the midnight oil. But I just knew. I just knew that I wasn't called to be in the industry long term. Now, I do just want to take a moment here to say that any mention of other people in this episode will be as gracious and limited as far as possible to my own actions and my own experience. Okay. So backtracking a bit, I'd mentioned that completing my articles was really a means to an end to me. I had considered walking away from obtaining the CASA qualification in the past, not because I thought it was too difficult for me, I always knew I could obtain the qualification if I gave it my best, but rather because it had stopped being appealing to me during my study years. I had decided to be a chartered accountant when I was in high school. I'd opened the job section in the newspaper and saw that the highest paying jobs were asking for the CASA qualification. That was motivation enough for me, and fortunately, I was good at accounting in school, so it just seemed like a natural direction to go in. So it really wasn't an informed decision. As I said, I considered ending my CASA journey and seeking an alternative path, but as my journey progressed, I never ever got to a point where I knew in my heart that I wouldn't regret walking away one day, and so I continued. Anyways, fast forward to the end of second year of my articles, I was seeing someone in the same field as me at the time. I didn't have any solid future plans. And for those who know, this time going into early third year is quite critical in deciding what you want to do. I ended up imprudently jumping onto my significant other at the time's plans and deciding to go with him to a sister office in Kenya after a brief stint in Johannesburg. So here we are in Joburg, power couple. Yes, I learn a lot, I do well. And I can't remember the details, but the plan is to go to Kenya at some point. This process takes a bit longer than expected. Eventually, things end between me and the guy. And as anyone who's following a man and not doing what they should be doing based on their own passion, this obviously leads to a dilemma in my life. Do I pull out of Kenya? Do I carry on? I decide to stay on because one, it would have been embarrassing. 
to pull out after all that had been invested in going there. And two, I was able to come up with a list of pros to going. But reason number three, I know now that I was really afraid. My identity in this new environment, Joburg, involved Kenya to quite a large degree. And if not Kenya, then what? Anyways, after a lot of inner turmoil and vacillating, on 6 Jan 2020, I finally sent the mail informing my superiors that I had decided to no longer go to Kenya. And subsequently, like a hundred WhatsApp messages informing people close to me that I was no longer leaving the country. So now I'm in audit, a place I never wanted to end up in. I have no concrete future plans, only to start applying for jobs and realizing how difficult it is to get out of audit when you've stayed on after articles. When you have the audit tag on you, roles outside of external or internal audit become really difficult to find. I, someone who had excelled throughout my career, was now not even getting invited to interviews. I was stuck. This was September 2020. I was now in a new relationship with my now husband, Ngo, and on a September trip home in KZN, I told God that I wasn't leaving home until I had a plan to get out of audit. I was desperate. It was on our trip back to Joburg that the idea of Bulelwa's home deliveries came about. Bulelwa being the name my family calls me. I handed in my resignation at work in September. I left in December because I really believe in longer than mandated notice periods in my workplaces as far as possible and focused on my new baby, BHD. And this was my ticket out of the audit space and audit to label. Okay, so about BHD. Spoiler alert, it is no longer operational. But it was a business selling home cleaning essentials. I literally set this company up from the ground up. I registered it on Sipsy, learned about Canva and PNG images for the online website. Shout out to Mahavi for all his plugs and help. Created content, managed the social media websites, created and maintained the online e-commerce website with some help from an engineer friend. I signed up to Zero, an accounting package, set up my company, did our monthly reporting on there and integrated it with my banking and e-commerce platforms. Also... I knew all the big cash and carries, baby. Anyone who knows me knows I love creating and I don't mind getting my hands dirty and figuring out how to do things. I'm a professional troubleshooter and so I really enjoyed this season in my life. I also finally, for once in my professional career, could brand myself outside of audit, which felt great. I figured that if people wouldn't hire me because I didn't have certain experience, I was going to give myself that experience. Thank you very much. And I did. So things started off promising with PhD. I'd saved for three months. In hindsight, that was way too short. In March 2021, three months after leaving my job, we were still making losses. As any startup would be, I was out of money. My business strategy was offering essential cleaning products at low prices, but I really struggled to keep up with the big retailers, and those checkers' extra savings deals just kept getting better and better. In April 2021, I had to let go of my apartment and decided to move in with Mo, something I'd always been vehemently against because of sexual temptation. I really wanted to only move in with him if or when we were married. To be honest, I could have gone home, back to KZN, because until Shwanda Ikai, I hadn't been kicked out at home, but I chose to stay in Johannesburg. Eventually, I came to the realization that things were not progressing positively and showed no signs of improvement. And it was in June that I eventually decided to close the business. Essentially, the third month of more helping and funding my life. In July, I sent out the communication to our customers. I had a look at my diary entries leading up to this time. 
12 April 2021. I had a dream about a potter's wheel in my sleep. I'm not sure why. I'm so nervous to assume a dream or idea may be from God lately because of how things are slow with BHD, which I realize is not a healthy place to be. With this fast, I'm hoping to be sensitive to the voice of God, whether spoken, written, or seen. I've told God that even if he told me to go back to audit, I'm open, although I do hope that's not what he would choose to say. 8th of May 2021. The other day I went to have a chat with my sister about BHD, and when I got home I realized that I had a hole in my sweater, in the armpit area. This frustrated me greatly. I threw it away as other seams were coming undone as well. This journey is quite taxing on the finance front. There are so many things I'd like to do. Get braces, fix my skin, buy a pair of jeans, which I can't afford right now. I've been listening to Jara from the Old Church Basement album on repeat, and it has a line. If he dresses the lily with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? If he watches over all the sparrows, how much more does he love you? I'm comforted in the fact that my God is a provider, but also that he is enough, that when God provides what we ask for, he does it according to his will and according to his ways. That's why we pray, your will, your ways. I can rest in that what I don't know, he does. Hallelujah. And when things were getting really litty, 9th of June, 2021. I have taken a few days off social media to decide what to do about PhD. I'm considering closing it and going back to the drawing board. I'm not sure how to explain how I feel right now. I'm just taking a moment. 10th of June, 2021. Lord, help me be present in the moment and not live in the potential of every moment. I finally decided to close the business in July and sold off remaining stock at cost. In the twist of events and God's provision and after almost despondently and desperately taking a job I wasn't particularly excited about, I ended up at my current company, which is a funded startup and where I've gotten exposure and experience beyond what I could have asked for. Am I done creating? Well, looking at recent events, clearly not. But the BHD chapter specifically has closed. Okay, I want to talk about being in and out of God's will and what that looks like. Looking back on this journey, it's very easy to see many moments as failures and maybe even regrets, but I don't believe all of them should be. I could talk to a lot of key learnings and pitfalls, but ultimately, through this journey, I achieved what I'd set out to do, to successfully rid myself of the order to tag and be seen as a professional I am, a professional who can adapt, learn quickly and give meaningful inputs in any environment I'm placed in. But this episode isn't about that. What I really want to discuss today is this. Was I inside or outside the will of God in any of these moments? What should being in the will of God look like? And more importantly, can we miss out on God's will? Or can we somehow mess things up by making the wrong decisions? Well, let's start off by defining the will of God and contrasting this to the will of man. The human will is defined as a faculty or power of choice or decision by which we determine which actions we shall perform or the human capacity to actively decide what to do instead of reacting automatically to stimuli. God's will is defined in the Bible with two different meanings, his sovereign will and his prescriptive or revealed will. God's sovereign will is God's ultimate control over all things because he is God. For example, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins was God's sovereign will. There was nothing that could have stopped that from happening. Jesus speaks to this will in Matthew 26 verse 39 where he says, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
In Acts 21, verse 12 to 14, Luke says of Paul, Now when we had heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he could not be persuaded, we ceased, say, The will of the Lord be done. Coming for an enduring word puts this so well when they explain this passage, and I quote, Paul's companions, including Luke, came to the understanding that God's will would be done. They came to trust that even if Paul was probably right, and even if he was wrong, God would use it. God says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And that's Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10. Then there's God's prescriptive or revealed will, which is what he has commanded us to do in his word. This is the will of God we can disobey and fail to do. For instance, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God wills or commands that we be holy. In Leviticus 11 verse 45, he says, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. But we don't always obey this command, and certainly the Israelites didn't either. So God gives us commandments in his word, but we can and do choose whether to obey these or not. He won't wrestle us into not being ungrateful or unkind, even though he commands us to be the opposite of these things. We have a choice to obey or not. The Gospel Coalition says God's sovereign will will always come to pass whether we believe in it or not. However, his will of command can be broken by us. We ought to diligently study and seek to understand God's revealed will as we sit under good preaching and teaching, reading and studying and memorizing our Bibles in a covenant community. We will grow in our ability to know God's revealed will. Quite recently, I was once again frustrated at how God doesn't speak to me audibly like he apparently does with some people. I recall saying to him, God, some people open their fridge and you say something. I just need a fridge moment, Father. I desperately wanted explicit direction on a matter and really overthought the situation into paralysis. But actually, what I failed to see at the time is that God does speak to me. And clearly at that, he speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me through godly counsel, which is aligned to his word. And regardless of what I'm seeking direction on, I can never sway his sovereign will. This is to encourage us in the knowledge that God is not trying to trick us or be elusive. He's not cruel. But we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. So even when we find ourselves in situations which are not explicitly addressed in the Bible, we are able to apply biblical principles to reach conclusions. The next time we don't know what to do, what if we could trust God's sovereign will over our lives instead of being paralyzed unless we receive quote-unquote a word? Daniel 4 verse 35 says, He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? What if, instead of looking for signs, we asked ourselves, Can I glorify God with this decision? Can I glorify him at this company? Can I glorify him if I start this new hobby? Can I glorify him if I choose this option versus that option? And if the answer is yes, why not? Does it mean you won't face trials and the decisions which are not against the revealed will of God and which his sovereign will has not prohibited? Nope. We have all heard the saying, 
The only two certainties in life are death and taxes. For the Christian, it's three. Trials are guaranteed. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 to 13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. With my entrepreneurship journey, I couldn't articulate it in this way at the time, but I know now that I could no longer glorify God in that space. Not being able to support myself and not being able to support my family was not glorifying God. Neither was moving in with more and inviting the intensifying of sexual temptation outside the covenant of marriage. I also, logically, could see that there was no way I was going to reach a point where I could compete with my competition meaningfully without extensively increasing my product offering or re-strategizing completely on my core business activities, which would have required more capital, which I did not have. Being Christian did not absolve me of having to consider these things. It didn't absolve me of being responsible. Being Christian meant I had a high standard for my life. Yes, where I look beyond my circumstances, hallelujah, but also beyond my own fleshly desires and ultimately in this instance, look beyond my pride. We all have very deep and personal relationships with God and I don't want to oversimplify the deeply personal experiences which we all do or have experienced in these. But if we're finding that we're often stuck or paralyzed because we're seeking an external experience to validate a desire which does not in and of itself contradict the word of God, then maybe simplification is warranted. God gave man an amazing gift, the gift of choice. He gave us his revealed word so we can know his heart. We can know what he loves. We can know what he hates. And he gave us so many promises, one of which is in Matthew 6, which says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Enduring Word commentary on this passage says the following, Jesus does not just tell them to stop worrying. He told them to replace worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. What this verse demands is a commitment to find and do the will of God, to ally oneself totally with this purpose, and this commitment must come first. God promises heavenly treasure, rest in divine provision, and fulfillment of God's highest purpose for man fellowship with him and being part of his kingdom. You might ask yourself, what if I make a choice and end up in a toxic environment? God is with you. Be Christ-like and faithful in that environment as his revealed will requires of you. What if I marry or married the quote-unquote wrong person? Well, what does the word say? Are you equally yoked? Do they love God and know his commands? Are they living according to the word of God? Regardless of these things, if you're already married, you're by default with the right person, so congratulations. Anyway, in closing, so what does being in the will of God look like? Well, we can know two answers to this question. One, that wherever we are in life right now has either been permitted or brought about by God's sovereign will, and somehow, whether good or bad, we can trust that he can and will use it for his glory something we may grow to understand either on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity. However, this should not pacify us, as secondly and simultaneously, 
our active role of being in his will looks like living our lives intentionally in accordance with his revealed will, his will of command. The primary way God has revealed himself is through his word. There is no prophecy or experience we should ever rely on more than the completed revealed word of God. God is not trying to trick us into making the quote-unquote wrong choice. He wants us to live lives that glorify him. Of all the mysteries that they are to him, do we really believe that how to be a spotless bride is something a loving father who wants to spend eternity with us would hide from us? Ephesians 5 verse 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. This is a promise we can hold on to as we navigate the complexities of life here on earth. However, when we go against the revealed word of God, we should repent and trust in the ability of the Holy Spirit to sanctify and cleanse us because of the finished work of Christ. His strength is truly made perfect in our weakness. In closing, I want to remind us of the first part of the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus taught us to pray unconditionally. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and follow this podcast or leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. This is me saying goodbye and reminding you of your ultimate calling in this moment, this day, and this week to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever.